0: So, and language is never a barrier of gratitude or, or, or service. Language is never a barrier to gratitude or to service. So if I'm going to Tokyo and I don't speak, you know, Japanese, or if I'm going to Thailand, and I don't speak Thai or Laotian or Isan, people do want to help, but you can see it in their eyes. And when you find somebody that approaches you, when you find somebody that approaches you and they, they you can see they want to help, I just jump all over that. I don't abuse it. I don't misuse it. I don't disuse it. I just stick close to those people because they're hard.
1: Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with Chad Hymus. If you missed part one, please go back and, and listen to his story and and also check out his website, chadhymus.com He's doing a lot of CEO retreats and executive retreats. Chad, let's talk about, for this next one, let's go over the principle of gratitude. What what would you what would you teach about that? What would you start off with?
0: It's easy to be grateful when things are going well. You know, when we, we're getting what we want or business is well, cash flow is good. You know, the phone's ringing because business, I, I relate it to business as well. Or in a relationship, it's very, very difficult to be grateful when we don't get what we want. That's tough. And I think I have found that finding great gratitude through adversity also pays massive dividends. Can I be grateful when my children aren't getting good grades? Can I be grateful when I, I, I have a health issue arise? Can I be grateful during a pandemic for the time that it allows me, even though I'm not making the money that I used to and I'm jobless? Can I be grateful during that time for what it's teaching me and the growth that it's going to teach me? And can I find that growth? And it's, the truth is it's right there. And I'm, am I willing to jump at it and take action on that so that I can you know, experience that gratitude? So I think that's, uh, that's the principle we want to we kind of elaborate on during this session. Yeah. Very, very so. difficult for me to be grateful for numb hands, numb legs, numb stomach, numb midsection. You know, everything's numb for me. Um, on my, it's, it's difficult to be grateful for that especially when you see your kids out there doing things that you want to do with them. That's very, very difficult. But when I, you know, and we're going to be having grandkids here soon, I'm sure. Cause we have kids that are married. So our kid that's married, you know, how am I going to be grateful when I see grandpa number two out there playing or branding with them and I'm not there branding. Right. I, but when I do find myself grateful, then I'll be out there with them. I just might not be the one holding the branding iron. It's just not what they care about anyway. They just want me happy and there with them. Right. So I've got to, you know, Everything is your attitude. Everything is your countenance and and gratitude.
1: So, and and I meant to ask this on part one, what does C4 quadriplegic mean? So that's just,
0: so everybody has seven vertebrae in their neck. C4 is the level of my break. Okay. So Christopher Reeves, Yeah. he broke number one and number two. Okay. That's why he had no movement, none. And he had a hole in his neck with a tube in it breathing for him. Yeah. I broke four, five, and six. So even though I broke more than he broke, I broke lower down towards the shoulders. That's why you're seeing some movement in my shoulders right now. Christopher Reeves, when we saw him on TV, he had no movement, none. His hands were just sitting just idle on that pad, right? And he was using a blow tube where he blew on the straw and the chair would go forward. He would suck on the same tube. Chair would go backward. He'd use his tongue and move that same tube in his mouth. The chair would turn left. He'd use his tongue and move that same tube and the chair would go right. So mm-hmm. that's the difference. If you break any part of your neck, any part of the seven, you will be paralyzed in all four limbs in one, one form or another. If you break your back, you got 12 back there, 12 different vertebrae. Then you'll be at para. You'll have the loss of your legs and maybe your stomach, just depending. But you'll still have your arms and your hands.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you talk about that mental mindset and, and attitude. My, my grandma's sister is married to a guy we called Uncle Joe. Joe Keeler, and he had. Uh, I grew up in farm country in southern Alberta, Canada, and the Keelers had a have a big feedlot operation. And he had lost his hand in a he lost his hand in a farming accident. And he had a he had a hook that when he squeezed his up, when he pulled his other shoulder away, the hook would open or not. Yeah, and well, yeah, he was so funny and fun. And like I remember being a little little kid, and he was teasing us with the hook, up until you know I'm in my 30s and I have little kids. And he I mean, you just hardly ever saw the guy when he wasn't telling a joke or laughing or smiling or or teasing some kid with his hook, you know, and, you know, doing your doing your job like in the farmer rancher work ethic, like pulling your weight, doing your job. I don't have to tell you is a big deal. Right. Absolutely. And uh, man, it's almost like it was like his personal mission to make everybody else's day better. I really appreciated that about him.
0: That's awesome. And see, and that's just the legacy that he left, that he left behind or that he will leave behind. It's it's just that you don't remember the things that were said. You remember how he made you feel. I think that's a great principle to talk about when it comes to gratitude is that people forget what you say most of the time. They never forget how they feel when you're around them. So the question we should ask ourselves when it comes to gratitude is are people better people when we're around them or when we're away? You know, are the people that I go to church with, are they better when I'm in that congregation? Or are they just as soon as I'd be there because I don't even look at their face and I don't smile? You know, no. I mean, is my family excited to see me come home? Are they excited that I am at home? Or are they not excited because I'm just grumpy and angry and mad all the time because I can't do this and I can't do that? Is my wife excited to have me come home from a trip or does she want me to stay at the Marriott? I mean, I, I we should ask ourselves those questions.
1: Right? Yeah. I, I'm interested how this has come up. I remember when we first met and you were talking about just some of the stories, some of the fun things, some of the challenging things about traveling on your own. Can you talk about how this has been a part of, of that experience?
0: Yeah. So I am 95% numb and I do travel alone, but I, there's always people around. So, and language is never a barrier of gratitude or, or, or service. Language is never a barrier to gratitude or to service. So if I'm going to Tokyo and I don't speak you know, Japanese, or if I'm going to Thailand, I don't speak Thai or Laotian or Isan. People do want to help and you can see it in their eyes. And when you find somebody that approaches you, when you find somebody that approaches you and they, they, you can see they want to help. I just jump all over that. I don't abuse it. I don't misuse it. I don't disuse it. I just stick close to those people because they're hard. They're, you know, people generally have good hearts, but they're not sure if they should ask if they should help or not. And so that's how I get on an airplane. Most of the time people come and say, Hey, do you need help? You know, yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. And I'll find people with some some biceps. And we'll get me on that plane. When I get off the plane, same way. I do not travel with a nurse or an aide or an assistant. When I go to get an Uber, I will size somebody up out there on the Uber lane, guaranteed. And if someone's not there, I'll wait and someone shows up or I'll go find somebody inside the airport. I mean, when I get to the hotel, I will size somebody up yeah, and I'll ask.
1: I'm interested. Why do you think it is? such an emotional high to get the chance to serve when logically it could feel like it would be better to receive a gift or receive help so say that again what why do you think why do you think we all feel so good when we get the chance to do genuine service well why do you feel like we don't feel so good
0: when someone serves us that's my challenge i mean i I, i'm again especially people that are close i I think it's again it's easier to render, render so here's here's an easy thing to say. You give without remembering, and you receive without ever forgetting. I'll say it again. You give without remembering. That way you don't feel like you're entitled to something in return. And when somebody gives something to you, like a gift of service, don't ever forget it. That means you're always indebted to them. The challenge is is receiving help, for me, from the people that I love the most. And while that seems redundant and ironic on this call on this podcast, I just don't know that I like seeing my kids help me do things that I should be doing on my own, like showering. Or having my wife help me get dressed. I know it sounds like fun. It ain't fun. I think I said for better or for worse, I didn't plan on her getting me dressed at age 27, right? And I can do it by myself, but she doesn't like me to take two hours to do it. She wants me to go spend family time and do some devotional time, right? Study study a little bit together. Get our spirituality in place. That's what she wants. My stubbornness is saying, I'm going to stay in this bedroom and I'm going to get dressed. Turn
1: on the Today Show. Yeah. That's right. Well, it's interesting because- I Find think it's some good duty to watch. Yeah. I think about it. And I think of times when I am so grateful to have received service when I'm in need and I was stuck and I thought I, there's no way I'm getting out of this, you know, like growing up in Western Canada that <laughs> there's some pretty intense snowstorms that can happen sometimes. And if you end For up sure. in the ditch and you've dug and you've kicked and you don't have snow boots and you didn't have a shovel in the car and like you can, you can have these like slight feelings of desperation going on, whatever. And when some dude pulls up in a big four-wheel drive truck and and has a tow rope and pulls you out of the ditch, like there's times like that, that I just had like gushing gratitude, you know? And then there's other times where I feel like it's saying something about me that I'm needy or that I'm broken or something like that. And and I have these shoulds going on in my head that I shouldn't need the help or something like that. And those are the times when it has been harder for me to be humble in accepting Service is it? Do you see it differently?
0: Uh, no, no, I don't. Actually, the same way. I see it the same way. It's it's humility. It's it's submissiveness. It's surrendering to other people because you don't have to be right all the time, right? Yeah. So just because it's my way doesn't mean it's the right way. There are several right ways to solve a single one problem. There are several right ways to get me on an airplane. It doesn't have to be my way. There are several right ways to get me dressed. It doesn't have to be my way. There are several right ways to cut kind of one piece of steak. I'm just. There yeah. are several right ways to go shopping. It doesn't have to be in my way. Yeah. So.
1: Well, and I remember I think, yeah, I mean, I get
0: caught up in my way of doing things.
1: Yeah. I remember you telling the story of I I can't remember if this is it. You please correct me. But I I feel like it was like the first time you were in a hotel room by yourself and had to find somebody to help get you into bed or something like that. Maybe yeah, I'm misremembering a- that.
0: Okay. No, that's right. Yeah, the bed was four inches too high for me to transfer over. I couldn't get my butt over. That yeah, was tough. And the hotel didn't want to put themselves in a predicament to do that, and so I went and found one of their clients. They didn't like that either, but they can't stop that. <laughs> that you know, the hotel won't help me due to liability. I get that. I don't want to. And again, I don't want to misuse that. So when I go to one of their clients and say, "Hey, man, can you help me out?" Now they look at their policy book again and say, "You know what? There, maybe there's some train Remember? So again, it, it opens up minds. I, I think I think it's fascinating when I fly in an airline. Doesn't matter which one. The pilots can't help you out. It's part of their union contract. But if the plane lands in the Hudson River, what's the pilot doing? He's going to be the last one off, no matter what it takes. Why wait for the plane to hit the water before you help somebody out with service? Why not be trained in advance? Why not learn something new? They just sit back and they wait. But if it lands in the water or in the ocean, you know they'll start helping people get off that plane as, as best they can, assuming they all make it. I feel the same way in a hotel room, you know, or even in an airplane. You know, how do you think those pilots feel? And they're called captains. They got four stripes. And when I say to a passenger walking by saying, hey, can you help me? Captain's not able to do it. And yet he's got the four stripes. He's the leader. And then I'll say something very, very ignorant to the captain, like, this is what four stripes looks like. (laughs) This is what leadership really looks like. You know, this is probably not the brightest thing to say, you know, kind of ignorant, kind of, kind of, it sounds like a Trump tweet. I don't care if you're a Trump fan or not. It's just a Trump tweet. You're very, very out there, right? I know that I shouldn't probably say that. I should rethink my tweet before I say it out loud. And so, but, but I'm guilty of that as well.
1: Yeah. When you, think about, right. when you think about somebody who set an example of your life of gratitude, is there anybody that comes to mind?
0: My grandma, Hymas, was in a wheelchair for 15 years and lived in our home. I was a young kid. I, I never saw her once. And my dad accidentally left her in the tub for three hours. Left he her where? In the tub. Oh, wow in the bathroom for three hours, you know, in her bathroom. And so and think about the humility of my grandma. I never once heard her. She just sat there quietly and rocked back and forth on a wheelchair just like this. Just rocked in her chair. She had a stroke after my grandpa passed away. And she just do this. She just rocked back and forth. Think about it. I don't know how she did it. I, I don't. I get emotional even thinking about her. Her name was Faye. Grandma Faye, Highness. And she she had to have her youngest son help her bathe. And I remember my dad. We, had, we I, I talked to my dad about it a lot. My dad said she would always say, "Thanks for your help, Kelly. It's just a body. It's just a body." And I can't bring myself to say that to my wife because I'm—I was proud of my body at one time. Now it's all bones, and I just—I'm embarrassed of it. You know, I—I know I shouldn't be. God gave me this body; it's a gift. My grandma understood that. I still think about her. She told her son who bathed her, "Thanks for helping me out, son. It's just a body." And he would see her naked, completely naked, his own mother. And help her bathe bless my dad for doing that yes he forgot her one time and it's always been a laughing joke amongst everybody but my dad had no problem and i and i sit there and i just the alternative is you just you just shut down and that's what i tend to do i just shut right down i won't say thank you i won't smile i just i gotta close my eyes and put myself on a beat somewhere playing volleyball with my i mean i just i haven't gotten to that point that my grandma so eloquently set the example for true gratitude, true defined, you know, undefined gratitude.
1: No, I'm, I'm not in- related, but different. I'm interested in any thought you have. I think about the little mistakes I make and then I'm up against that choice. Do I rationalize and justify it or do I go back and make things better, right? But then I think about like the larger things I'm trying to correct about myself that are maybe feel like more of a lifelong pursuit that I'm trying to make myself better on. And I'm interested in any insights or or somebody who's had an example for you or books that you like or just anything on the like, those larger things that it does take, I don't know, I feel like I have to conquer myself more on. And it's like a multi-year journey, not a five-minute recognizing I made a mistake thing.
0: I th- Again, I heard Scott Friedman say this once, it's just recognizing the joy in the journey, every aspect of it. Something I I admit that I have not mastered, but, but it's the joy in the little things, it's 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 saying thank you. It's recognizing other successes before your own successes. It's recognizing other people's needs, their fears, and their victories before your own. It's saying, Hey, I think you look great today. Hey, Gracie, it's okay that you didn't need to meet, make the cheer team. I'm still proud of you anyway. Hey, Caleb, you come to us from Africa. You're the only dark kid in our church and in your school. You make me so proud by the way you make friends. You're so likable. It's recognizing the good in people before you recognize the good in yourself.
1: You know, just as you were saying that, it did make me think of a quote. I'm, I really love the old C.S. Lewis books and the you've probably read the Screw Tape Letters, but uh, for yeah. anybody who hasn't, it's this senior tempter trying to get a junior tempter to get his patient, which is some guy in England, I think it's during World War II, to, to sin, right? <laughs> to become bad. And the senior tempter says, well, one of the best things you could do is get him to take all of his blessings from today and burn them on the altar of tomorrow. And I think about, how many times I'm, I think I'm a little more future oriented anyways, but how many times I have I, in like the name of like patting myself on the back for delayed gratification or something. I just haven't actually lived my life because I'm, I'm like putting off living life until I've hit certain accomplishments or something.
0: Sure. And look what we've accomplished so far today. Right. And just saying hey, when I look at what I've accomplished thus far, and not even talking about the cities or how many cities. God's not going to ask me, how many states did you go to? How many people did you speak to? He's not going to ask me that at all. He's going to want to know, like we talked about in our previous podcast, did you get yourself out of bed and get dressed? And that one lady needs your help to have a blessing in her home. Did you take your family over to visit your sick and dying grand, you know, your father? Did you, did you tell your wife, thank you for helping you get dressed? Yeah. Well, I promise you I'm going to be asked that. I promise you I will be asked that. He's not going to say, you know, how much money did you lose? How much did you make? How much tithing did you pay? He's not going to ask me that. God is not overly wrong well with statistics.
1: You know, and this, I know, we got to wrap up here. But that line, I'm—I I heard the speaker quoting. There was this really cynical reporter who followed Mother Teresa around, and was basically saying, "What you're doing doesn't matter. The stats. There's so many homeless people in the slums here. Like statistically, you're making no difference. You're making no difference," and. She just really got in his face and said, made all the difference for that guy. And like, I'm totally paraphrasing, but she really turned this cynical reporter. And in his, in his piece at the end, he said, apparently God doesn't care about statistics. And, wow. and I just thought like, sometimes I felt a burden, our, our charity child rescue, we're trying to, you know, save all these kids from child trafficking. And i I have felt this like real heaviness of like, how am I going to help all these kids? And that mother Teresa quote made me feel like, oh no, God wants me to do my part. He wants me to work as hard as I can. And that's that's all he needs from me.
0: I think if we all did that, I mean, we, we call it consecration, but I think if we all just did that and did a little piece, how much better the entire world would be? I mean, there's 7 billion of us and the majority of us don't even know where our next meal is coming from. When you live inside the States, you don't really, most don't know that. I shouldn't say most because there are parts of the US that really, really struggle and families that struggle. But the majority of people in this world do not know where the next meal is coming from. Even out here where I live in Utah, they still have food trucks for the school kids. If you're 18 or younger, right now during the pandemic, free mo- seven days a week, seven days a week, breakfast, lunch, and dinner delivered by a school bus, and you go pick it up. Wow! It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what family you come from. Doesn't matter how much money your kind family of makes. Food for all the kids in the household.
1: Love it. Well, listen. What should we finish with here?
0: Just be grateful for where you're at, and then go find someone to show gratitude towards. I love it. Be grateful for where you're at and then find someone to go show gratitude to. You know, send a text off, letting people know how much value they have.
1: Love it. Well, thanks again for making time for this.
0: Buddy, thanks for having me. I'll look forward to seeing you again soon, Jess. We're both going to get on another call.
1: Okay, bye.
0: Bye.